Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome into a new UAP adventure and new music right there. Remember, I promised you some new music coming up here to debut on this milestone episode of 75. Hopefully you like it. I know it's a lot different than what you're used to, but that's what I was going for. So welcome to it. It's Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast as we are ready to start this new UAP adventure, like I said, on this milestone episode. And I 100% would not have made it this far, by the way, without you. So I just want to kind of get that out of the way right, uh, right at the beginning and say thank you uh, for for sticking with me and for sticking with the show for so long. And I hope you enjoy what is to come, not only in this episode, but in future episodes as we continue to march forward. But during this two-part series, part one being today, we will be discussing a few of the strangest most bizarre alien encounters that I have ever come across. And if you've been listening to the show, then you know that is saying a lot. But before we get into that, you know what time it is. Let's hit that factoid. Ladies and gentlemen, the factoid. I love that new sounder there for the factoid. Thank you again to uh, to Mars, one of our listeners here, and he did a great job putting that together. It's I, I love that. But I wanted to get into the story here for the factoid because, believe it or not, you, you may have missed this over the past couple of weeks, the Pentagon actually revealed some info relating to UAPs. Now, I know I was shocked, too, because, you know, we don't normally see some truthful reports coming out of that sector of the country. But that said, they do they, they, they came out with this report that, Turn some heads. It said that Arrow has received 274 confirmed sightings. Let me say that number again because that, uh, that's a lot. 274 confirmed sightings from year to date to the end of April 2022 to the end of April in this year 2023. On top of that, they also admitted to having 17 additional cases from 2019 through 2022. And those cases, they say, are still under investigation, those 17 in that three-year span. So according to, to uh, this report, some of these objects uh, that have been seen have exhibited flight characteristics that the Pentagon called concerning, which included high-speed travel and what they said was unusual maneuverability. Now, obviously, all those things sound familiar to us, but... They were asked about the report, and the current, I stress current, head of Arrow, Dr. Kirkpatrick, said that he is concerned about the details surrounding these sightings from a national security standpoint, meaning adversarial tech. Now, these are all things that we have heard before from the likes of Ryan Graves when it comes to these, you know, high-tech, highly advanced uh, flight capabilities that we do not have within our arsenal that we know of. Unless you talk about black sites and things like that, who knows what kind of technology they might have. But it was interesting to see this report made public and acknowledged nonetheless. 
And yes, I will be discussing the turmoil surrounding Dr. Kirkpatrick's reign as the head of Arrow since his days in that position are seemingly numbered now, according to multiple reports, which is very interesting. And like I said, I'll get into that more at a later date. But this story went relatively unnoticed, I feel. And that's why I wanted to bring it up here today as part of the factoid before we jump into these uh, two very bizarre stories here that we have on this part one episode of some of the most bizarre alien encounters out there. So let's go ahead and jump into this first one here today on this episode 75. Could it be true that an alternative rock legend inadvertently slept with a shape-shifting extraterrestrial? Yep, that's where we're starting. Let's just say I was with somebody once and, and I saw a transformation that I can't explain. So, believe it or not, that is the voice of none other than Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan. Now, on a personal note, as a child of the 90s here, I'm a huge fan of the Smashing Pumpkins and just all 90s alternative in general. I, I love it. I grew up on it. So, when I came across this story and heard the audio of Billy Corgan talking about this, I knew I had to cover it somehow, some way. It, it had to be featured in UAP. And then when I started coming across all these other strange encounters, I thought, well, let's just put it all together. But regardless of that little tidbit, this is the first time I have actually heard a witness account like this one. And it just so happens to come from, you know, the famous musician in, in Billy Corgan. And it wasn't like he said this on some random radio show, by the way. He told this story live on the air on the Howard Stern show. In fact, he spoke about it on two different occasions with Stern. The first being in October of 2017, and then again in June of 2018, which is where he gave some of the you know more unexpected details that made the biggest waves. But So we'll take this in, in two parts here on this story. The first part here coming from his interview in October of 2017, 17 with Howard Stern. So let's go ahead and hear some more about what uh, Billy Corgan has to say about this very unique story. Here you go. Imagine you're doing something and suddenly you turn around and there's somebody else standing there. It's hard to explain without going to detail. I'd rather you, not go into okay, details. But did you say to the person, what'd you just do here? That's yes, you. and they acknowledged it. And, oh. and what did they say they were? From another planet? And they wouldn't explain. Again, without telling us, it's a really messed up story. It's up there with one of the most intense things I've ever been through. I mean, it's it's just, I can't imagine. Now, look, Stern is a guy, and even Robin, who you heard there in the background, I mean, obviously the radio legends think what you want about them. I'm not here to debate that. But that's a guy that has heard it all. And he was absolutely shocked. And who wouldn't be when you hear a story like this? When someone's telling this, you know, live on the air about someone transforming in front of you and you're freaked out. It was one of the most intense things you've, you've ever encountered before and then you're left with well i can't really talk about much more of it it's like dude come on so the conversation went on where stern asked billy corgan if the person transformed into something other than human and he did say yes and i know what some of you are thinking now 90s rock star living the life right he must have been on drugs and that's a fair thought a lot of them were but also to be fair he maintains that he was perfectly sober when this event allegedly took place. So now everyone was left mystified and honestly just kind of straight up weirded out after the interview because they all wanted more details. Like you just drop a bomb like that on somebody, say that, you know, you saw a shapeshifter kind of change right in front of your eyes and how are you supposed to respond to that? 
Well, Corgan came back for that other interview I mentioned, and this happened again back in June of 2018, so about five years ago. And this is where he dropped some of the juicier details that even left a guy like Howard Stern, again, guy like that who has heard it all, even left him shocked. This is where Corgan goes into, uh, again, a little bit more detail of what he could say. I will tell you the story. You will? Yeah. And I will say that the story is even more fantastical than you think. The person was naked. Wait a second. Were you in bed with the shapeshifter? Were you making I love? I tell you in confidence. Are you saying it was some a lover who be actually shapeshifter? I can no longer discuss this. All right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there you go. Wow, right? And... I- you know, it's it's interesting to hear him say, I can no longer discuss this, because obviously it's something that he wants to talk about, but he has said before that he doesn't really feel comfortable talking about it. He only brought it up like one other time on a show, and it's, it's an extremely fascinating story. Now, you might think maybe it's something else, you know, maybe, okay, getting kind of deep here, but again, this is, you know, the most bizarre alien encounters, so we might as well just kind of dig around all the... Different rabbit holes here. There are some people who have suggested that maybe this is some type of, you know, succubus situ- uh, type of situation, you know, going really paranormal there. Um, maybe some type of demon situation that has been suggested even to Billy Corgan himself in a different interview he did talking about this. They brought up the possibility of some type of demon or demonic possession. I don't know. Like, it's really, really strange. But Corgan couldn't really put it into words. Again, not really being able, he says, to fully explain what happened. And he doesn't know really, you know, how to explain it or maybe even what they were or how that happened. But he says this happened, that he was, I guess, in bed (laughs) with a shapeshifter, that he ended up inadvertently sleeping with someone who is able to change forms. You don't hear about this stuff a lot. You know, maybe in the terms of like Skinwalker Ranch, we hear more about the shape-shifting type of stories and things like that. But when it comes to, you know, high-profile names who say that they've had experiences like this, it's a wild one. But he he did speak to Howard Stern privately, actually. And um, after that show, back in June of 2018, supposedly... According to Howard Stern, he gave, Billy Corgan gave him all of the details behind the scenes, all the stuff that he did not want or didn't feel comfortable enough disclosing on the air, he told to Stern. And that was, again, according to a Twitter post from Stern himself back in 2018, after his show aired, uh, one of his producers actually took a picture of Billy Corgan and Howard Stern having like serious conversation like you can see the look on their faces like they're embroiled in serious conversation like Stern is standing there with his arms folded and his you know uh, hand kind of like covering his chin like trying to figure out what Billy Corgan is trying to tell him and Corgan was kind of had his back turned to the camera so you see they're really kind of in this deep serious conversation and to this day no one really knows the full details of this. Howard Stern hasn't talked about it. Obviously, you know, respects Billy Corgan enough to not divulge the, the details uh, since he told them in the, the, whatever details there are in confidence. It's a wild, weird story. And like I said, Billy Corgan himself has only spoken about it a couple of times in public. But he has, he has said that he wishes he could give all of the details in public. But here's the thing, and it's a shame because he kind of falls into the same... 
um, you know, realm of a lot of people, you know, quote unquote normal people, right? Not famous rock stars, but just regular people like you and I who might feel uncomfortable talking about these things in public because of that stigma that exists. So he's never wanted to go fully into detail because of the backlash and that stigma that he's afraid he would receive from people who just wouldn't be able to wrap their heads around this. And now a guy like that may not, you know, may have more to lose than you or I, because maybe he has, you know, record labels and producers and directors and people like that, managers, you know, PR people who would say, dude, you cannot talk about this like ever in public. Like you're going to be looked at as a crazy person. No one's ever going to, you know, book you again to do a concert. Who knows what they tell him? And that's a shame if that's the case. Like it should be, we should live in a climate where you are free to talk about the experiences that have happened to you without feeling like someone's going to call you crazy or blackballing you or blacklisting you or things like that. And it's so it's it's a shame that he feels still to this day that he can't talk about it. I like to think that, um, you know, the five years since he mentioned this on the Howard Stern show, that in those five years that a lot of the climate has changed. I like to think so, you know, with the congressional hearings and David Grush and whistleblowers and everything like that. All the different whistleblowers that I've had here on the show, like D.C. Long and Michael Herrera, Eric Hecker. I mean, there's so many guys out there now who talk about these things freely. And yes, they are scrutinized, absolutely. But it's, you know, I like to think that after five years, we've made progress. Maybe not as much as I think. I don't know. But honestly, I would love to interview him about this. So I just want to say to to finish off this story here. Just on a personal note, I would absolutely jump at the chance to interview Billy Corgan about what he's talking about here. Maybe he feels more comfortable now, you know, five years later. Um, I do think personally that his this experience would be more accepted and understood than it would have been five years ago. That's just my opinion. So if anyone knows a way for me to get in contact with Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins, I would greatly appreciate you uh, letting me know how to do that. And I mean, obviously just a long shot, but I'm putting it out there. All in all, though, I must say that after looking into this event for uh, more for this episode, I actually found out that he is apparently not the only one who claims to have had experiences like these. So I'm not sure what's happening here, but it's not only happening to Billy Corgan, I guess, is the point I want to get across, which is crazy in itself. It certainly goes on the incredibly bizarre list for me. But now on to the second and final story for this part one of this kind of two-part bizarro series, as I like to call it. And I know already it's, this, this episode's going really quick, but that's all right, you know, as long as you enjoy it. But what if I told you that two tiny aliens tried to seemingly befriend a woman in Italy in 1954? Yep, this is the tale of Rosalati Danelli. At around 6.30 a.m. on November 1st, 1954, 40-year-old Rosa Lotti, described in reports as a peasant woman and mother of four children, was on her way from the farm where she lived to the cemetery and church, a journey she had purposefully gotten up early to make. It was a rare journey into the town for Rosa. Even so, she knew the footpaths well as she made her way along them, wearing one of her best dresses and carrying her shoes and stockings to avoid them becoming dirtied, along with a bunch of flowers. It was as she came to a clearing along the path that she suddenly stopped in shock. There, in front of her, was a strange, bizarre object. 
All right, so it's kind of setting the scene there. But for more context, uh, this event took place in a small town in central Italy named Canina. And Rosa was on her way to church for All Saints Day, which is a big deal in the Catholic Church, which would explain her trek into town wearing, you know, essentially her Sunday best. She's carrying her shoes. She doesn't want to get them dirty. She's carrying her stockings. She's trying to show up to church, you know, all nice and presentable. Now, Rosa was, by all accounts, a very simple woman and would have no reason to make a story like this up. I mean, like, no reason at all. So here's where things get strange. Rosa approached the craft, and as she did that, two small figures appeared from behind it and walked toward her. Now, of course, she startled, you know, to kind of start off there, but she stuck around to investigate as they came closer to her. And that's when she noticed they looked odd. They looked strange. She described them as looking like men with human-like features and faces. So, you know, not your classic alien gray with the bulbous head and the big black eyes and things like that, but rather human-looking figures, but with a stature of like a four- to five-year-old child, so maybe around three feet tall, as Rosa uh, described. And she noticed the strange clothes they were wearing, too. She said in her report that she described them as kind of like a grayish, silvery, shiny type of suit, like a one-piece suit that tightly covered their entire body, even encompassing their feet as well. So like, you know, footy pajamas, I guess you could say. And here's how Rosa described the craft that she came across, too. She had a really good uh, description of this. It's an incredible encounter, really. It's, a, I mean, as close of an encounter as you can get. She's in front of the craft. She's in front of these strange beings and has this experience with them. And she, you know, detailed the entire event after it was all over, of course. And that's where we, we get these details from. It captivated the town for a long time. But this, of course, is not Rosa that you're going to hear, but rather a voice actor. Nevertheless, this is still a fascinating account of how Rosa described the craft that she came across. It appeared like a huge spindle fixed vertically to the ground. It resembled a sort of double cone or like two bells joined together at their bases. It also appeared to be covered with a leather of some sort. It was about seven feet high and between three and four feet wide. The outside of it shone as though it was of a very polished light metal, and on the lower side was an open glass door. Really, really odd. I mean, I've never heard a description like that of a UFO UAP. And by the way, credit to uh, the YouTube show Somewhere in the Skies. Uh, they did a great job uh, with with those two clips. I, uh, that's where we get those two clips from is uh, Somewhere in the Skies there on YouTube. But I just, the, the, the description of that craft where almost like, you know, spindle shape, right? Like a, or she also described it as like two ice cream cones placed on top of each other. So kind of like a diamond-shaped craft, which we've heard of that before. I mean, we've heard of diamond-shaped uh, crafts before following people and, you know, kind of like terrorizing people or whatever. But to, to hear about this kind of cone-shaped craft, I guess, if you will, and it's kind of small, seven feet tall. I mean, it's not huge by any means. And then what's the deal with like the almost leathery covering she talked about outside too, but shiny as well and like a light metal. It's it's one of the strangest encounters I've heard about, honestly. 
But also it's then said that Rosa noticed two small seats inside the craft. You know, like she mentioned there, or it was mentioned in the clip anyway, where she noticed the, this glass door that was open on the front. So she's looking inside the craft. She sees these two small seats. So we can presume that that's where these, you know, kind of like childlike humanoids would have been sitting. We're on these two seats. And as she investigated, she also realized that she wasn't afraid in this very odd moment. I mean, anybody would be really freaked out and scared, maybe running for your life. Like, why am I seeing these really strange, small beings who look like men, who look like, you know, normal humans, but really small with adult faces? It's very strange. But she said she actually found the beings to be acting in a friendly manner, even speaking to her, albeit in a language she didn't understand, but they were according to her, trying to communicate using some type of different language with like a lot of, you know, like Lola, Lada, she's mentioned words like that, but nothing made sense to her. And Rosa went on to describe their looks by saying that uh, their eyes were full of intelligence, she said, and that they wore leather-like helmets. Again, this leather material she keeps talking about. So now on the, on the outside of the craft and then these helmets that they're wearing, she said they kind of like covered their ears Almost resembling something like a 1940s, you know, football helmet, if you want to think of it that way. And she also said that they had a rather odd upper lip that curled upward to, you know, kind of like into the mouth, into the gum to reveal their teeth, which she said seemed to be like flattened or shaved down, almost comparable to like rabbit teeth is how they were described. I know. I told you this was a bizarre story. I mean, I, I wasn't kidding around with you. It's really, really odd. So what happened to Rosa? Like, how did this all end, right? Did these friendly aliens take her up in their weirdly shaped spindly craft? Well, not really. As they continue to try and communicate with Rosa, which is odd enough in itself. They're trying to talk to her, you know, or so she said. They actually noticed instead that she was holding something in her hands and she had flowers that she was holding to bring to church. She was going to, you know, bring them to church, lay them by the statues and things like that. One of the beings actually snatched the flowers out of her hand and threw them in the craft as if they wanted to do some type of, you know, science experiment on them or something. That's when Rosa says that she yelled at the creatures, these beings, and demanded that they give her her flowers back. And guess what? They did. Or some of them, at least. According to Rosa, they kept some of the flowers and gave her the rest. So they stole her flowers and that was good enough for her. She was done because at this point she had enough of this, you know, surreal encounter. She was looking for her moment basically to get the heck out of there. And she finally found it. And it was as these beings, according to her story, they made their way inside the craft to retrieve what she said looked like a, some type of circular white package. But she didn't stick around to find out what it was and ran off while they had their back turned. And as she ran, she almost had like this moment of realization that, you know what? I think they were trying to give me a gift and maybe like a, a trade for the flowers or something. So she turned around to look back and everything was gone. Like it was never there. The oddly shaped craft, the tiny beings that inhabited it were all suddenly gone. Just like that. So she be, you know, continued running until she found, you know, got back into town. So I'm wondering, was this a cloaking device that was being used? You know, obviously that couldn't be explained in the 50s. It's hard to explain now. Or could they have left that quickly? Now, 
there was no sound if they had left that quickly. It was just, she said all of a sudden, they were gone. Did they teleport? I have no idea. According to her story, they were there one second, then they weren't. Nevertheless, Rosa eventually made her way home and told the story to her family, and it became known throughout the town and the local newspapers. Like, this was a famous story, and some townspeople even went out to the spot where she said she had seen the craft, where she had this encounter. But the interesting thing here is is that they actually did find an indent in the ground. That is recorded evidence. This wasn't a made-up story that they found this indent in the ground. Now, if you want to be skeptic about it, you can say she's some, you know, lunatic or schizophrenic, psychotic, whatever, where she had to go and make up this story for some reason in her own head, and she dug a hole to prove to everybody that the UFO was there. If you want to be a skeptic and say that, then by all means, it's always up to you. I always say decide for yourself. But it seems like, again, to me... When I heard this story, when I started investigating it, a woman like this, again, simple person living in central Italy, going to church on All Saints Day, someone who, you know, a mother of four, I don't see why she would feel the need to make up some elaborate story like this and trick the town. It doesn't make any sense to me personally. So the fact that, you know, the townspeople, when they went to go investigate the area, that they actually found an indent in the ground where she said the ship had been, that's extremely compelling to me. And in its own right, kind of supports this very, very bizarre encounter, which in itself is bizarre <laughs> that they can actually corroborate some of these details is uh, is very strange. To this day, though, no one can really fully explain what Rosalati Donelli saw that one day, November 1st, 1954. No one ever saw it again, and to my knowledge, a sighting like that, um, that specific anyway, hasn't taken place anywhere else before or since, and that's almost, what, 70 years ago? It's, um, boy, it's an interesting one. That is, that is for sure, and I honestly do not know what to make of it because all of the details that we always hear about these encounters include tall grays. Tall whites, small, you know, the, the small grays, the classic grays, uh, you know, Peruvian alien mummies, which is strange enough in itself, but that has nothing on this. I mean, we even talk about reptilians and things like that. This is this is a uh, a whole different case here, and I'm I'm curious to see if we ever hear anything more about this story. If, if you know more about it than I do, please feel free to reach out because it's well, it's 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 bizarre, I guess to say the least, which is. Why it fit into this part one. But that will do it for today on this Milestone episode 75. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me and indulging me in some of these strange tales here today. And uh, always, throughout every episode, I truly, truly appreciate it. I'll keep you updated on all things UAP and any future episodes, including when you can expect part two of this, I guess, you know, mini-series of bizarre to come out in the uh, upcoming episode 76 as we move our way towards episode 100 we'll get there one day if you will still have me by then and also uap weekly will be coming up too you can expect that next week um a lot of stuff going on with david grush with uh, as i mentioned earlier dr sean kirkpatrick apparently on his way out of arrow so i'll have more details on that next week and a lot more going on, too. We're compiling a lot of this information, um, and I think it'll probably make more sense as more details come out, especially when it comes to 
the Mexican UAP hearing version 2, where apparently more mummies were revealed. Yep, that is still going on and there is more happening. So I'm going to try to fit all that in next week on UAP Weekly as well. Of course, don't forget to download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It is everywhere. Um, on all major streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all that good stuff. You can follow the show on Twitter if you aren't already. It's at UAPodcast850. I post updates on everything and, you know, interact with uh, anyone who would like to. Um, you can reach out to me directly there if you like or, you know, just for anything that's on your mind. If you know a contact for Billy Corgan, for instance, <laughs> I would still like to talk to him. Um, or if you know details on this story I was talking about with Rosalotti or anything on your mind, also, if you would uh, like to email me instead, if that is your preferred mode of uh, communication, it's sdeaneruap at gmail.com. That's S-D-I-E-N-E-R-U-A-P at gmail.com. And, of course, check out uappodcast.com. I'm almost done plugging here, uappodcast.com. Uh, that's totally new, and it's awesome. I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, thank you to everyone behind the scenes who got that going. It's really pretty freaking cool, actually. So, Thank you again to uh, everyone, like I said, who's been involved with all this in, in that website. It looks great. And one last thing I want to mention real quick. If you are going to be in the Fort Lauderdale area on November 16th, I'm going to be down there. I will be at the Ancient Aliens live show that uh, Nick Pope will be at, of course, with all the guys from Ancient Aliens. Uh, thank you to Nick Pope for the invite. So I will be down there. So if you're going to be at the show, let me know. You know, we could always say hi because uh, I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be a really Cool event, really fun show, Ancient Aliens Live uh, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Thursday, November 16th. 16th. So if you're going to be there, I'm going to be there. Maybe, we'll, maybe we will uh, run into each other. But on that note, and some new outro music here for you, uh, some something new for you to hear. Thank you all again for everything. Your support truly, truly means the world to me. So until next time, be well. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the brand new outro music here debuting on this episode 75. I'll talk to you again soon. Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.